Hi, this is Ann Cavera with Speeding Past 80. Thanks for joining me. This week's story is called An Unforgettable Christmas. If you've listened to other episodes, you probably know that Jim and I married while we were Peace Corps volunteers in West Africa. That was in July of 1966. We didn't have time for a wedding trip, so we decided to make our first Christmas together unforgettable. We booked passage on a luxury liner that stopped off the coast of Liberia to take us to the Canary Islands for the holidays. Between July and December, Jim and I spent a lot of time talking about soft beds, sunny beaches, great food, and running water. A few days before we left, we invited some of our kids over for an afternoon Christmas party. Our kids were our students. A student came early and prepared traditional West African foods, collard greens, cooked in palm oil gravy with hot peppers, served over rice. For dessert, I made several plates of Christmas ginger cookies. One of the boys was a young man who went by the name of William. He stood tall and strong, even though he had lost an eye due to an infection. William had often talked about his younger brother, so we asked him to bring that brother along with him to our party. That afternoon, William arrived, but he didn't have his brother with him. He explained, Teacher, my brother will not come. He is ashamed because he does not know how to eat with a spoon. We knew how much hunger our kids often suffered. In fact, William had once passed me a note during class that said, Teacher, I've not eaten in two days. Do you have work I can do to earn money for food? In spite of being hungry, he hadn't asked for a handout. He had only asked for work, to buy food. So we gave him work. On the day of our meal, I told William we did not care how his brother ate, and we urged him to go back and bring him. Soon William returned with the younger brother in tow. We gathered around the table. His brother shyly filled a plate and found a place away from the table where he could eat in whatever manner suited him. The boys ate all they could hold and then quietly, hand after hand, reached for cookies until the plate was empty. With full stomachs, we sat in the space that served as our living room. The kids loosened up, alternating between speaking English in their native mono dialect. With much good-natured teasing and laughing, they shared things they found strange about us. One boy told of the wonders he had seen in the German mining camp about 20 miles up the road. He claimed they had a pipe up there that made water come out right inside the house. Well, who could ever believe such an outrageous thing? Now and then a large, and when I say large, I mean big as a man's fist, house spider scurried across the bare floor. We all laughed and lifted our feet to let it pass. That afternoon we had such a deep sense of peace and joy among these children. But Jim and I were anxious to begin our real Christmas celebration. The next morning we caught a ride to the capital city. On the way, Jim said he had been feeling a little under the weather. Well, his appetite had been poor, 
and he had lost some weight, but I just figured that was due to my lack of cooking skills. We made a quick stop at the Peace Corps medical office. I stayed in the waiting room while he saw the doctor. After a long time, the doctor came out, alone, and sat down beside me. He said, Jim has a major case of hepatitis. Didn't you see? He asked. Even his eyeballs are yellow. Well, no, I had not seen. We were newlyweds. I would never have imagined anything was wrong with my wonderful young husband. For a brief moment, I hoped escaping on a cruise with plenty of sunshine and good food might be the healthiest alternative. The doctor had already made arrangements for Jim to be placed in a clinic. No Canary Islands for us. Our first Christmas became a room in a local clinic with a small artificial Christmas tree on a bedside table. Neither of us can recall much about that day at all. It wasn't until much later we realized the unforgettable Christmas we had hoped for had been given to us that afternoon we had spent with our students. Peace, joy, love, laughter, friendship, and fellowship had fallen right in our laps. We almost let it pass us by without any recognition at all. Long ago in Bethlehem, perhaps dozens and dozens of people passed by the real first Christmas. All of them hurried on their way to something they must have thought was more important than a poor couple with a newborn in a manger. Completely unaware, they had missed the real Christmas waiting right in front of them. Wherever we find ourselves, the real Christmas is always right in front of us, if we only open our eyes to see it. This year, don't let your real Christmas pass you by. Each week I've been talking about an author in middle grade books that you might want to look at as Christmas presents for children or grandchildren, nieces, nephews. This week I want to review the work of Dr. Marie Sontag. Dr. Sontag's interest in storytelling began at about age nine when she shared a room with her younger sister. She made up stories to help her sister fall asleep. At age 12, her mother gave her a typewriter, and Dr. Sontag began writing down her stories. She wrote about what she enjoyed, adventure stories. But it wasn't until she was 59 years old that she began writing full-time. Now she has two series for middle-grade readers and a third series that will debut at the end of December, early January. The first series is called Ancient Elements, and the stories take place in ancient Mesopotamia. The second series is The Whitcomb Discoveries. The initial book in this series is titled California Trail Discovered. The third series is called Rising Hope and begins with Underground Scout as book one. Underground Scout is about the Boy Scout and Girl Guides in Poland during World War II as they join forces with the underground army to try to push the Germans out of Warsaw. These are all adventure books in historical settings, and the stories are firmly rooted in family values. I love the tagline Dr. Sontag uses to describe her books. Bringing the past to life, one adventure at a time. I also really enjoyed browsing through her website. She has one of the best author websites I've ever seen. 
It offers far more than information about the books. In addition to short videos about the author and her books, there are also resources for families, teachers, and students. Dr. Sontag also helped found family-friendly fiction writers, a co-op of local kid-lit authors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Information about this group, as well as all of the resources and books, is available on the website at www.linktr.ee slash Marie Sontag. Advice for writers who want to write later in life? I asked Dr. Sontag, what do you do if you want to be a late-life writer? If you want to write to publish, she said, be ready to invest a lot of time to learn the craft. It's not a sprint. Quality writing is more of a marathon. Attend conferences. Join a local writing group and a critique group. Be humble, willing to learn from others. Support and encourage them as well. Exercise. Take care of your health so you can write as long as the Lord gives you breath. Thanks so much for listening. Please join me here again for another episode of Speeding Past 80.